listening to the Bay Christian Family Church podcast. Praise God. You see that open your Bible once again in Matthew chapter 16. We have been talking about understanding the anointing. This anointing is the very power of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that the anointing removes burdens and destroys yokes. Say that. The anointing removes burdens and destroys yokes. Remember, we studied it out. That word destroy is not just break. I've, you know, I used to say the anointing breaks the yoke until I looked deeper into it and studied it out. And you find out the word used there is not just talking about break because you can break something and put it back together. When God gets something out of your life, He wants to annihilate it that it never has a place to get back in. Destroy means broken beyond use, totally crushed. And the anointing does that. The anointing removes what the enemy tried to put on your life and then destroys everything that it did in you and destroys its right to get back into you. The anointing gets the job done. Say that, the anointing gets the job done. And so this anointing, they understood this anointing. There was one that was coming that was going to bring that anointing, the anointed one. And Jesus one day was asking his disciples, verse 15, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon or Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell, Hades, hell shall not prevail against it. Now you understand that when you build something, you need a foundation. That foundation determines if that thing is going to last or not. And Jesus saying the very foundation, in other words, the cornerstone message, the underlying message, he's going to build his church on this solid foundation. If you get a hold of it, that even hell itself cannot come against you. You can stand up against demons, stand against the devil, stand against anything that's contrary to the Word of God. And Jesus said He will build His church. Foundational message. Well, what is that foundational message? Peter said, you are the Christ. Now, religiously, he's just saying, you know, I'm, I'm Jesus. No, Christ is not His name. Very often, we, people can use it. I mean, if you refer to Christ, obviously you're referring to Jesus as the Christ, but it's not His name. It is a Greek word translated from the Hebrew word Messiah, Hamashiach. We say Messiah using our English vernacular. And then, of course, that word in the Hebrew means the anointed. And the anointed is anointed because of the anointing. The anointing, on the person, makes them anointed. What anointing? That removes burdens and destroys yokes. That's why when Jesus got up and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. How? Because of the anointing. To preach deliverance to the captives. How? The anointing's gonna do that. To take away burdens, to solve poverty, to destroy yokes, 
to reset. That's the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. It's the great reset. Any debts, any struggles, any battles, you got into problems, it is reset by the anointing. Hallelujah. That anointing is so powerful. So when we say Christ, we're not saying Jesus' surname. We are saying what Peter said, you are the anointed. And Jesus said, that's the foundation message. Family, the anointing is everything. It's the very foundation. It's the one thing that the devil wants to try and shut down. He doesn't care if a bunch of people get together in a room and sing some psalms and hymns and you know do a bless you and light some candles and go home, but nothing ever changes in their lives. They go back on Monday and just live like the devil for the rest of the week and then come back on, my, on Sunday and sing some more songs. That doesn't bother him in the least. So when you stand up and say, I am anointed, he couldn't even finish that message. They wanted to kill him. Why? That's what the enemy is against. This word that will transform and change your life forever. It is the foundational message. It's what Jesus taught everywhere he went. He taught that message. How do I know? Because every time he taught it, people were healed. Why? Burdens were being removed. Yokes were being destroyed. Family, this anointing is more than just another message. It is the very foundation to your Christian life. It is everything. It is everything. Just lift your hand and say, thank God for the anointing. As a Christian, I am anointed one. A one-yan. Amen. <laughs> Christian. That's where they got the word Christ from. See, Christians didn't call themselves Christians. The Bible says that in the city they, would, they did. What, what happened? They were, you know, there's a bunch of guys. They hung out with Jesus and, and then they, they started going around doing what Jesus did. They were praying for people. They got healed, delivered. They had wonderful meetings, you know. And, and someone says, Do you, have you been there to one of those meetings? Which meeting? You know, that meeting where everybody's all full of joy. They're always laughing and they're all happy. And people go in there and they get healed. And, you know, and they, they baptize them and dunk them. And, you know, they, oh, you're talking about those anointeds. Th those anointeds. That's where they got the name. They, that's the first time they were called Christians, the anointed ones. Hallelujah. You are the body of? Say that I am part of the body of the anointed one. The anointed one. If Alan's wet, so are his toes. If the body of Christ is anointed, so are you. You are in that body. Hallelujah. So this message is foundational. Verse 19, now this I wanted, to, I wanted to get to last week, but we didn't have the time to get there. We're going to cover it today. And I want you to take note of this. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now family, that order of wording is vital. We know that what we want to do in the earth is the will of God. Jesus prayed, let your will be done on 
earth as it is in heaven. Is there any sickness or disease in heaven? No. Do you think they lack anything? Any poverty? I mean, they got streets of gold. You need to pay for something, just take a chip off the road. And <laughs> I mean, there, there's absolutely no lack in heaven. It's all totally free of the curse. It doesn't exist. And Jesus prayed that that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now you understand that to walk by faith, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. In other words, I can never stand in faith for something unless I know what God's Word says on it. But once you have the Word of God on the issue, you have His will. But you notice how God's will doesn't just happen automatically. People say, if there's a good God, then how come those people died over there? Well, there's a devil out there. And until this age of this dispensation of grace is, is, is fulfilled and Jesus returns, for this time, the Bible says the devil's called the God of this world. So there's a devil out there. But then why doesn't God do something about it? Because he gave earth to man. And if he gave earth to man, the authority lies in you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Notice, we have to submit. If we're not submitted to God, the devil has no requirement to flee. I don't know why the devil keeps messing with me. I'm helping you. Submit to God. You resist the devil. God, please take the devil off me. God never promised to do that. He gave you the authority. He gave you the full power. So heaven is backing you up. Notice he didn't say that all authority has been given. Now whatever heaven binds, you can bind. Heaven doesn't start with the binding. It starts with you. Heaven doesn't do the loosing. It starts with you. God gives you His will, but until you connect, you won't receive it. I know I've said it over and over, but I really want to keep saying it so that it's drilled into us because I've still, I have people challenge me. So if, if you believe in healing, why don't you just go into the hospital and pray for all the sick people and just empty the beds? Jesus couldn't even do that. What? Yeah. The Bible says, I mean, you often see he went about doing good healing, all who are sick and oppressed of the devil. And that day healed all those who were sick. There's was, was regularly all, 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 all. But when he went to his hometown, the Bible says he could do no mighty work there. Not that he wouldn't, he couldn't. Why? Because of their unbelief. The anointing is more than just dispensing it. It also has to be received. And that'll help answer a lot of questions. So the key is, if you notice that you want to minister the anointing into someone's life, but you're hitting a wall, it's not just about, you know, saying, oh, well, let me just keep praying for you. No, I need to renew minds. I need to speak the word. You need to get to a place where you believe God wants this for you. Do you know God heals today? 
Do you believe He heals today? Do you believe He'll heal you today? Do you believe He'll heal you now? Do you believe you are healed? See, it's a process. And once you believe, hang on, if the Word says, by His stripes, I have been healed, then I must be healed. Let the anointing go ahead and do the work. Now you're open to receive it. Lord, that I can see. Do you believe I can do this? I do. According to your faith, let it be done. So you notice he says, yeah, all authority has been given. I'll give you the keys, keys speaking of authority. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Something's going on in your life that you don't like. It's against God's will. It's time to bind it. Stop it in the name of Jesus. You see something in God's Word that's not yet in your life, you need to loose it. Now go ahead, be so in my life. And what Jesus is saying is heaven will back you up. Now I want you to take note of that verse because I'm going to bring it into context of what we're speaking about this morning. Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. So the anointing is no longer just oil, a physical thing. It is literally a person, God, the Holy Spirit. Say so that the anointing is God, it's the Holy Spirit. And as a result of that anointing, he went about doing good. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So last time we spoke about the different ways that anointing can manifest. And the first one was revealed here is power. Everybody say power. Remember Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. Now, if you're a witness, what does that mean? If, 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 if there was a huge accident outside and then eventually the police come in here and they say, we just want to find out, were there any witnesses? What are they asking? Did anyone see what happened? Jesus said that when that power comes on you, you will see him in action. Not just witness about him, because we use witnessing like leading people to Jesus, which is very important. That is part of it. We need to be good witnesses in leading people to Jesus. And you say amen. But why am I a witness leading people to Jesus? Because I've tasted and I've seen the Lord is good. I'm not just getting you to try and join my religious organization. I'm not just recruiting members. I'm letting you know that we had, I was broken and He healed me. I was busted and He made me whole. I was totally in poverty and He set me free. I've seen the power at work. And you say, Amen. So when people come and try and tell me healing's not for today, I tell them, you're too late. I have seen it way too many times to go beyond coincidence. Over and over and over and over and over. And he says, that's what's going to happen. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the same power 
that you saw Jesus working in in the, in, in, in the Gospels. Hallelujah. And then we spoke about the unction. Everybody say have unction. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. You know all things. That unction within you. Remember, we had a look at scriptures where the Bible says that because of the Holy Spirit, He'll remind you of what you've been taught. He'll reveal to you the truth and He'll show you things to come. Hallelujah. Past, present, future, the Holy Spirit makes sure you're walking accurately. See, that's why the Bible says those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He gives you the knowledge that whenever you go somewhere, it's already prepared. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. His word is a light to your path, a lamp to your feet. He'll give you the next step. Come on, how many you want to know that when you take your next step, it's an accurate step and you're not just doing it by chance, hoping this will work out. No, you have an unction. There's an anointing. When that child has gone crazy and you try to do everything you did with the first child, but it's not working on the second child. I don't understand this child. Hang on. God put that child in your life. There must be an unction for it. Everything you do, everything. It doesn't matter what you do in life. It doesn't matter what your vocation is. It doesn't matter what you're called to do. If you're in it, there's an unction for it. You don't have to trust in your own natural ability anymore. Hallelujah. There is a natural ability. There's a certain amount of natural training you'll do. For example, you think a surgeon, he needs to know what to do. He has to be trained for it. But the unction will take him to another level. Hallelujah. Say that I have an unction. And then we spoke about virtue. Remember Luke chapter 8 when Jesus was saying in verse 46, when that woman with the issue of blood touched him, he stopped, said, who touched me? They said, how can you say who touched you? Everybody's touched you. He said, no, I perceive virtue flow from me. What's he talking about? That anointing. And the moment she drew on it, you notice the anointing didn't even wait for Jesus' permission. It was based on her faith. If I touch him, I'll be made whole. And so the anointing is going, touch me, touch, 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 touch. As she touches, boom, he enters into her body and immediately heals her. And Jesus felt it. Power. Hallelujah. Everybody say power. Unction. Virtue. Hallelujah. And then we got to the corporate anointing. I want to talk about that this morning. Everybody say corporate anointing. What do I mean by corporate? It means when we gather together as a whole, a company. 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one. Everybody say as one. What's that talking about? Unity. The Bible tells us that we've been given the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher to equip believers 
for the work of the ministry until we all come to the unity of faith. Now, a long time, the body of Christ has struggled with this word unity and saying, how come there's so many different types of churches? Family, he didn't say uniformity. There's a difference between methods and the knowledge of the word. If anyone claims that Christ died, rose from the dead and is alive today, they are born again. Now they may do things differently. Now there's some different that's just like way off the edge. Even when I look at it, I wonder, hang on, where did you get that from? There's no scripture backing what you're doing. But I'm the last one to argue with anybody because I don't know what God told you to do. You look at some of the prophets in the past and under the old covenant, they did some really crazy things. If they did in the church today, we'd say, he's never preaching in my pulpit. And they thought he was nuts. But God did it in a way. He spoke to them because he was declaring something prophetically. And so you read it in the past, like when Jesus spat in their eyes, spat on a man's tongue. Imagine that. Guy comes here and says, I've got an infection in my throat. And the pastor says, stick your tongue out. <laughs> there you go, healed. Now, I'm, the pastors, I'm not advocating that. You better make doubly sure it's Lord. But Jesus did that. Come on. That's nice reading about it. Hallelujah. But don't do it here. That's what Jesus faced. When he said, I'm anointed, I'm here now. That's what they got upset about. As long as they kept talking about it, it's coming, it's someone else. When will it come? One day, hallelujah. When he stood up and said, I'm here, that's what the enemy came against. So I'm just saying that to say, just sometimes when you look across the road and you think that's crazy, we don't judge those things because we don't know what God has said. That's why even when the disciples were preaching, Gamaliel was very clear about it. He said, you know, if we stop something and it's God, we're coming against God. If it's not God, it will fade away. And Janine and I, after 30 years of ministry, have seen that. Things come and rise up. And you think, what is that? And you just have to wait a while and eventually it fades away. Why? Because the anointing sustains. The anointing is what keeps carrying. That's why I want to make sure I'm always walking in the anointing. I protect that anointing in my life. So there's not, it's not necessarily to be uniformity. Doing something different doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just different. But unity, we come to agreement on the fundamentals of the faith. The unity, everybody say unity. And they came together as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, 2 Chronicles 5 verse 13. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for He is good, His mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Family of God, this cloud is the same cloud that helped bring the children of Israel through the wilderness. That's the anointing. It's the Holy Spirit. 
And what happened here, as they were worshiping God, I've said it before and I'll say it here again, the Holy Spirit loves music. He loves singing. If you don't like singing, if you, oh, let's not say no, I don't like. If you, if you don't like singing because you think you don't sound good, don't worry about it. Because the Word says, make a joyful doesn't have to be a melody. Let's say make a joyful melody. Make sure you're in harmony. Make a joyful. I tell you, it can be off key, back to front, wrong words. There's no, there's, there's no such thing as wrong words because the Bible says sing a new song. Someone says to you, that's not the words. No, it's a new song. Don't, don't, don't question the author. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I just, you know, I, I need words up there. That's why I'll sing with one eye open. Like I'm always peeking because, you know, these people are just sing and sing and sing and sing. They know all the words. I'm, I'm just not like that. So when I don't have words and I'm on my own worshiping God and I'm singing, I don't remember the words, but I know the tune and I can sing any song I want to it and it's a new song. Oh, Pastor Danny shouting amen louder than anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> We're together. <yeah. laughs> the point I'm making is the Holy Spirit loves singing, loves music. You'll see it again and again and again. Now David would play music and the demon that was harassing Saul was silenced. You have a problem in the house, something's going wrong, you just can't seem to settle it, and you're quoting scripture and everything, just put praise and worship on and turn it up full blast and just worship God. Worship, worship, worship. And what happens? Glory fills the house. Now notice they were together. Now recall, we've already spoken about it. Just remember Luke 24 verse 49 Jesus says, I send the promise of my Father, that's the Holy Spirit, the anointing, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Again, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. So this power is talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit, the anointing. Well, look what happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were what? All with one accord in one place. Everybody say one accord in one place. It took a long time for that to happen. Now, this day of Pentecost, Jesus said, don't move until you receive the anointing. Now they are together. Everybody say together. Now here's the thing. He appeared to over 500 people, the Bible tells us. In this room were only 120. So a bunch of people missed out on this. Why? Because they were still trying to get Zoom to connect. <laughs> they were off watching a series. They were off finishing their bride. They were off... But they're in the house, in one accord, together. And suddenly, 
there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wing and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, the anointing and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There's the unction. See, that's where a lot of people struggle with tongues is because they try it in the natural. Oh, they try and figure out words with their head. I just don't seem to get it. But you're still looking in the natural. It's putting the natural aside and saying, I'm trusting for the anointing. Because when that anointing comes, see, the tongues is not about what you're saying. It just doesn't make sense. No, it's not what you're saying. It's the anointing flowing through what you're saying. Hallelujah. Say together. Now, this unity caused the anointing to flow, but notice they were together in one accord. They weren't all in their separate houses, and it happened. It was in a state of unity. Something happens when believers come together. Every one of us individually are members, the Bible says. But you notice how Jesus, he spoke to each one, you shall receive power, you shall receive power, you shall receive. Everyone was given the promise individually. And individually, you can see the power flow. Jesus was one man, and yet the anointing flowed through his life. But you notice he said, when you come together, you receive power. When they were in one accord, in one place, the glory filled the house as in a way that they couldn't even continue ministering. There's a far greater level of anointing when a group comes together. And so what happened was they then from that moment went out, they started preaching the gospel. Acts records that thousands of people are being saved at a time. Church is growing powerfully. And eventually the rulers, the religious rulers, get a hold of them and arrest them and say, now you stop preaching the gospel. We, we're calling this illegal. We're issuing a word that it is now illegal to continue preaching and lock them up. Eventually they let them go. Chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, verse 23. And being let go, they went home and wondered why God allowed that to happen. Is that what they did? As they were let out of prison, what did they do? They went to their own companions. The King James Version says company. Company. They went to their own. Everybody say corporate. They went to where all the believers had gathered together and they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and, that, and all that is in them. And you can keep reading, come down to verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Everybody say the word of God. By stretching out your hand to heal, 
that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together, underline that, where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the Word of God with all boldness. Notice they were all filled with the that's after they were filled in Acts chapter 2. So there's another infilling. There's a continuous infilling. Every time we come together, there's a corporate anointing. And this corporate anointing, notice, when it filled them, the Bible says they were then able to speak the word with boldness. Hallelujah. Now, notice the purpose for the anointing was to continue delivering the word of God. It's not just for the carpet experience. People say they want revival, we want revival, we want revival. What are they talking about? A big meeting where everybody comes into a building and everybody shakes and laughs and, you know, sing all day and just, you know, that's revival, that's revival. No, that's the beginning. I said that's the beginning. That's where it's ignited. The anointing fills the place. We come together the anointing fills, it's shaken, people fall on the ground, we can't continue to stand, the cloud's so thick, you're getting everything, you put all those scriptures together, there's a strong anointing, but the purpose is so that you can get up from there and then with that anointing, with that unction, teach the Word of God. Because as you minister the Word, that's what transforms lives. The Word of God brings faith. See, people can be drawn to a meeting because of the noise, the hype. That's what happened. When they came out of that upper room, the whole city came to see what that noise was about. But Peter had to preach. And when he preached, 3,000 were saved. Hallelujah. Family, this nation needs revival. I heard amen to the fifth row. I said, this nation needs revival. That's the 10th row. This nation needs revival. We're almost in the campuses. I said, this nation needs revival. That means us corporately in the presence of God, anointed so that when we go into our workplaces, into the marketplace, into the schools, into the hospitals, wherever we go, that we speak the word with boldness. Don't be afraid of being arrested or even being fired. I'm not talking about Bible bashing. I'm not talking about abusing company's time. Don't, don't preach on company's time. Let me just clarify that. Your boss calls you, why are you preaching now? You're supposed to be working. Now, Pastor Allen said, I must preach with boldness. No, he didn't. Amen. If you're on the clock, the, your boss has paid for that time. You do what he told you to do in that time. But lunchtime, you do whatever. You preach the word with boldness. Amen. Minister the word. Tell people how good God is. Hallelujah. Everybody say, assemble together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. 
Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Why would the writer of Paul say, don't forsake the gathering together? Now, that's kind of old English type of speaking, so people sometimes struggle with what he's saying. Well, let's read it from the Passion Translation. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. You think this guy's just been through lockdown. Because lockdown programmed some people to stay at home. We, we all had to stay at home. And so the only way to connect was through the, 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 the live stream. And thank God for that, that we could still meet, even though we were in our homes. But that's not God's best. I said, that is not God's best. If you can't get together, then by all means, live stream. But what happens when we came out of lockdown, so many people got comfortable. Well, I can just do church at home. Look, it worked for two years. No, it worked because that's what God was doing at that time. But don't let it become a habit. Because once it becomes a habit, now it's difficult. You know, if I just have to roll over, get my coffee, get my wheat picks, and then just click on TV. Now I don't even have to get dressed or even put makeup on. I don't put makeup on, but the ladies, you know. And, you know, you don't have to do anything. Just, I can just watch church from home. Yes, yes, you can. I mean, you, you can sleep through church at home. You can do anything that you want to do. Isn't that right? And if that's the best, if you can't get to a building then by all means do that. But the ad says, don't stop meeting together. Why? Because God has shown us from the word that when you come together, there's a far greater level of anointing. Family, there's some things in our lives that, that just individual anointing never met. But yet corporately, there's far more power. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, listen to this, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we, as, as we anticipate that day dawning. Remember we, the beginning when I opened, I said, take note of where Jesus said he will build his church on the foundation that is the anointed. And he said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Have a look at Matthew's account here. Matthew 18, verse 18. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Do you notice he's saying if two agree? And then he goes, if two or three agree. What's he saying? The more there are, the more powerful. 
What's he drawing on? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 30. One chase a thousand, two put 10,000 to flight. One chase a thousand. In other words, if I'm on my own, I submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee. I can take care of a thousand demons on that word. If I bring you into agreement, one more person, we've upped the power by 10, 10 times the power. That's why marriage is so powerful. You have one believer believing, that's a thousand. The other believer believing together, that's a thousand. Put them together, they can now do 10,000. Your power went up by five just in that agreement. Oh, come on. Are you getting a hold of this? Now imagine you put a third person in there. Now you put a fourth. This, you, you lose count eventually because you go from 1,000 to 10,000 just by doubling. And you do that math, I mean, you're just going to go infinite. In a meeting like this, a devil doesn't stand a chance. Once you come into agreement, family, there is power in unity. You've heard of the word synergy. You think of a coal fire, you use it, think of a briquette coal fire, those hard charcoal pieces. You put it together, it's difficult to get it going. You want to use fire lighters and all kinds of things. But once that thing's going, that thing burns. And you notice how if you're doing it in the dark, it looks like the flames are kind of it moves around like this. What's happening? Each one is firing the other one. You take one of those pieces of charcoal out and put it on those bricks on the side, that charcoal piece on its own will die in a few minutes. Gone. Fire's gone. Look at the rest of the fire, it's still burning. What's the difference? It's that unity, it's working together. You on your own can burn for God, but only so long. And eventually if someone stays away from the gathering of the saints, they will eventually grow cold in heart. And if you ask them, hey, Christian, yes, but there's no fire. Do you believe God? Yes, but there's no fire. Where's the fire gonna happen? Take that coal, throw it back on that pile. It will reignite and it will revive and come back to life and it'll burn because now together we are much more than if we're on our own. There's a corporate anointing. When we come together, we are far greater than the sum of our parts. Just by adding the power together is not what we're talking about. Don't take your power, your power, your power, your power plus. No, there's a multiplication that happens. So family, I want us to get a hold of that. There's different ways that anointing manifests. We've come a long way and we've studied through all of it. The moment you're born again, you have the anointing in you. Then there is the subsequent when you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, the anointing comes on you. Not from outside somewhere, from within you, on you. And once that happens, together the anointing flows through you. Everybody say, anointing in, anointing on, anointing through. The anointing in saves you. Now you're going to heaven. But 
Somebody can be going to heaven and live hell on the earth while they're trying to get there. But now you have the anointing on, which enables you to resist the devil, that you can deal with situations in your life, and you certain amount of power that you have beyond just being saved. But then anointing through is when corporately we become a transformational change in our cities. And people get saved, people get healed, people get delivered, and by coming into agreement, there's a multiplication of power that cannot be stopped. Even hell itself will not stop a church that's united, understanding the anointing, that if any one of us comes against something, we just come together and we say, that's not happening in your life. We're gonna stand together in agreement. We're standing together with you. You're not fighting this on your own. You do not have to try and pray this through on your own. You don't have to struggle and battle. We are here in agreement and there's a corporate anointing and that power reaches out and delivers. Hallelujah. And then we are the church that we know whatever we bind on earth, is bound in heaven. Whatever we loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. That's a church who takes authority in their nation and are able to dispense heaven's will as it is done in heaven. Let it be done on earth. Family, you are the body of the anointed. Can we give him praise? Come on, give Jesus glory.